Okay. Well, just a few clicks to the mouse, and we're live. So I want to say, you know, I look forward to these Bible studies, and I want to say I feel your love out there, and it is, you know, when, when I do the uh, sermons on Sunday, or when I do the Daily Prophecy Club programs, it's just me talking. But when I do the Bible study, I, it's like something in the spirit. I can feel that we're, it's almost like we're all in the same room together. And so, God bless you. I love you. And even though we're not in the same room, even though we may not have even met, we know by the spirit that one of these days we're going to spend eternity together. We know that we're going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb when Jesus comes forth and he serves us. We know that we're going to get all kinds of crowns, mantles, rewards, and and uh, they that turn many to righteousness shall shine as the stars forever. We look forward to seeing each other in the new Jerusalem that cometh down out of heaven. Like John said, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He shall dwell with them. They shall be his people. God himself shall be with them and be their God. We're going to be with the Lord. We're going to be with each other. And in heaven, there is no such thing as having love for more for this person than that for that person. We, Jesus will love us all the same, and we will all love each other and Jesus all the same. We will have perfect love all the time, and I look forward to those days. And so it is a privilege and honor to come before you. I'm greatly blessed. And I want to say a couple of things before we get started. The reason I'm doing this Bible study <laughs> is because I need it. I, you know, was, uh, even Leslie was talking to me the other day. She says, you know, I've started noticing you're forgetting some things. Yes. <laughs> you know, the, the old body uh, stops working as well as it used to. And especially when it comes to the Bible, it seems like we have to always keep studying. But I want to say something about that. Here's the way for you folks that are new coming to a Bible study. It may seem long. It may seem laborious. It may seem boring at times. But here's what you'll notice. If you'll stick with it over the process of several years, you'll get to where it is the highlight of your week you'll get to where it will make changes in you. Even Dimitri Dudeman said there is not a better book than the Bible. And of course, we're talking about the King James Bible. It, it puts truth in you. It puts the Spirit of God in, in us. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, meaning we learn about God, we get closer to Him. As a matter of fact, something else I was going to say. So I have to go back and refresh my memory for where I memorized the book of Revelation. This is my notes, okay? And on nights where I will go in and sit down and read this, especially just before I go into the Bible study or before I go into my, my prayer closet, I can feel the Lord closer to me just because I was just working on memorizing his word. 
when we study and read his word, something big spiritually happens. I believe we get closer to God. Um, I believe he speaks to us more, protects us more, blesses us more, and it helps us to not sin against him. Again, it, it may seem laborious. It may seem slow at times, but I think I told a story about a lady that was in a Bible study back when we were doing one in Topeka, back in the, what would that have been, the late 80s, okay? And she came to the Bible study for probably a year, I don't know, maybe 18 months. And then she moved off to go to college. One day she called me and she says, I just want to call and say thank you. Because had it not been for the Bible study that I went to to your house when I went off to secular university, I would have fallen away. And I would have, well, just just fallen away and fallen into the world, fallen into sin. So I just want to call and say thank you because of your Bible study. And of course, it wasn't me. You know, it was the Spirit of God. But I guess what I'm trying to say is stick with it. Stick with it. It's not always easy, but then the best things in life aren't always easy. Sometimes the best things in life are really hard, and sometimes we have to really work at them, but they have the best rewards at the end. So stay with the Bible study. Stick with it. May I suggest a couple of things? Yes, you can read it off of the screen, but I strongly suggest you have your paper Bible right in front of you. Why? Because you want to have your, <laughs> there's not a highlighter. <laughs> I don't have a highlighter handy, but I, I, I said I was going to come up with my, and show you my Bible, my prophecy Bible. I have to go digging behind me to do it. Um, okay. Maybe I will. Hang on just a second. Okay, it wasn't where I expected it to be, but here it is. So I'm just going to flip through. And you can see where I've highlighted. And of course, especially forget, let's go back into to Revelation or Daniel and you'll see notes. Well, here's Jude even. So I've got notes and highlights. Uh, let me jump into Daniel. You can really see a lot of notes there. I call this my prophecy Bible because... When I'm studying Bible prophecy, or when I'm making notes into it, this is the Bible I pull out. Because if I'm pre preparing to teach Bible prophecy or something like this, see, it's got all my notes in it there. Uh, you want to have your paper. And I don't know, I've got probably 20 Bibles back there behind me. Um uh, I don't collect them. It's just they kind of collect around me, and maybe that's a good thing. I mean, it ought to be that we're Bible collectors. But it's more important to collect them in our heart 
than it is in the bookcase. Uh, Dimitri said one of the things about Americans, he did not appreciate the fact that we had Bibles, but he said when I touch the Bibles, <laughs> my fingerprint is on them because there's dust all over the Bibles. He said in America, you have Bibles. Romania, we didn't have Bibles. But in America, you have Bibles, but you don't read them. That's very true. Okay, so let's get started here. Uh, let me take off my name. Get that off of there. Okay. So we always start with prayer. And even if you're doing your own Bible study, always, always, always start with prayer. People say, well, I don't understand the Bible. The reason you don't understand is because you're trying to understand an infinite word in your own finite wisdom. Doesn't work, okay? If we want to understand the Bible, we have to get God and His Holy Spirit involved in it. So, let's pray. First of all, Lord, thank you. Thank you for this Bible study. Thank you for Prophecy Club, Spirit of Prophecy Church, Joseph Kitchen, Prophetic Oil. Thank you for all the wonderful things you're allowing me to do. And I thank you for all of my friends out there. And Lord, while we are separate, we are together in the Spirit. Because you did say that wherever two or more gather in your name, there you are in the midst of them. Distance means nothing in the Spirit. We're all here together. You also said, Lord, that wisdom and might are yours. You change at the times and seasons. You removeth kings and setteth up kings. You giveth wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. You revealeth the deep and secret things. You knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with you. So, Lord, we ask you to show us the deep and secret things. Help us to understand your word. Holy Spirit, we ask you to be with us tonight, giving us revelation knowledge so we can understand what was said and written, what it means to our lives today and also into the future. And Lord, we know we're living in Sodom and Gomorrah. We know that we're living in the mystery of Babylon. But we also know that you put us here for a reason, and we are getting ready for those hard times ahead when people will start listening and start coming out of this world and the things of this world and turning to you. And we want to be there, able to point them to you. We want to be there to be a minister and a blessing to them. We want to be able to teach your Bible to them in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to start in 1 Corinthians tonight. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 1.1. 1, 1. 1 Corinthians 1.1. 1, 1. I'll give you a second to turn there. Okay, now I've got to click the right button here. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> now, the situation in this is, and you can tell by what he's writing even if you haven't read some of the commentaries on it. This is some years after Paul has gone out and he started these churches. And now he's coming back around years later and visiting them, and he's seeing all kinds of flesh pop up in these churches that he's planted. So these are letters written back to these churches 
saying, I hear some things about you. You need to straighten up and fly right. And so just keep that in mind as we're going through it. Okay. 1 Corinthians 1.1. Paul, called to be an apostle. Apostle means one sent out. Called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother. Out of the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, that's us, we're sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all that in every place upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you in peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God, which is given to you by Jesus Christ, that in everything, okay, no, hang on. When he says, I thank my God always, what's he telling us? He's saying he is praying for his churches. He's saying that we as Christians should be praying for our churches, for our other family members, our friends, and we should be praying for the people. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God, which is given unto you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you are enriched by him. In all utterance, in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, so that you come behind in no gift. What's he saying? He's saying, don't miss. Don't miss in the blessings of God. And instead, we should always be trying to get those gifts. And yes, we're all looking forward to the returning of our Lord Jesus Christ who shall also confirm you unto the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, see that word blameless? That's a a word that Leslie makes very famous. She's always talking about being blameless. There's a difference in saying, well, I'm, I'm trying to live right versus blameless. Blameless means that neither Jesus nor no one around you has anything bad to say about you. It means you have not sinned at all. And that's a pretty good goal. Who shall also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, means without sin. God is faithful, by whom you were called under the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I beseech you, whoop, wait a minute. Yeah, that's right, okay. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but you may be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. So uh, it's saying for, (laughs) okay, okay, I'm making a joke. I'm telling you right now, I'm making a joke. So it means that all you pre-tribbers need to correct yourselves and come around to our point of view, okay? Just kidding. But it does say that the Church of Christ uh, the body of Christ has too many arguments in it. And, of course, we'd all agree with that. We need to sort of get on the same page. Matter of fact, just like right now, I have to have David Phillips on here monitoring because somebody from the body of Christ would get on and start saying some out-of-order things. I'll just say it that way. For it hath been declared un- unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are in the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Okay, so Paul started the church. Now he's hearing some rumors getting back to him about there's some contentions. Okay, it's one thing to say, yeah, well, I believe in pre-trib, or I believe in once saved, always saved, or some of the other disputations. But there should not be a contention. We should discuss it. 
but and have love one for another. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I'm a Paul, or I'm a Paulus, or I'm a Cephas, and I have Christ. Here's the way that sounds today. Well, I'm a Catholic. Well, I'm a Baptist. Well, I'm a Church of Christ. Or in America these days, I'm a Muslim or I'm a Hindu. Okay. What he's trying to say is we should all be saying we're of Christ. And of course, we're guilty, including me. We've all gone for church labels far too much. And a lot of times when you say you're a Christian, what's the first question you get? What church you go to? <laughs> See what I'm saying? Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you. In other words, he's not pleased. But Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I baptized in my own name. And I baptized also the house of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to, to, to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Better read that again. For Christ sent me not to baptize. Yes, we do want to baptize but to preach the gospel. In other words, rule number one, stand, that includes me, because I tend to be one that talks about Bible prophecy too much. I know. So, But, you know, that's, that's what reading the Bible does. It helps us to stay on the straight and narrow track. Not with words, wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Let me read that whole thing again. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. What's he saying? He's saying, I don't want to be such a good speaker that you get your mind and your heart off of the cross because the cross always must be the sitter. And that includes us prophecy teachers too, okay? The cross has got to be the center. Don't forget the cross. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Think about it. Jesus, for him to qualify, he had to come into this world of holy birth. He had to be born in a specific place, Bethlehem specifically, where the sheep, are born for temple sacrifice. And then he had to be treated just like the other sheep. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes. That's to keep the sheep, or in this case, Jesus, from like scratching his face. If there's any blemish at all, that disqualifies him for temple sacrifice. It's the reason Jesus was wrapped in swaddling clothes. That's a very, very important thing. That What that's saying is he qualified to be the Lamb of God. He qualified to be the perfect sacrifice, the sinless sacrifice for our sins. Then he was raised without a broken bone. Uh, probably there was never a time we got a cut, a scratch. Uh, probably never fell and he scratched his knee or anything like that because he had to be a perfect, he never sinned. And even though he had never sinned, and then no one took his life, he said, I lay it down. And even then, he said, Father, to you I commend my soul. No one took his life. He laid it down, and he took it back up. Why? 
because he had to be a perfect, sinless sacrifice. Because if you've done one sin, then you've stepped in the way of the devil, you've stepped into his kingdom, and all of a sudden, you don't qualify. The devil doesn't have to listen to you. If you have done his way, then you're not qualified. You're not qualified to, to forgive sins. Only the sinless. And of course, we can forgive sins through the blood of Jesus. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. And I think the flesh of every minister in the frustration to try to keep the sheep from leaving, we all try to do a good job. And that's important that we do a good job. But in doing a good job, we have to make certain that we're preaching the cross and Christ crucified and Christ risen first and not try to impress the people. I think I've done that too. So where is the wise? And by the way, that's that's what good Bible study is. It's a bit of a stomping on the toes. It's a bit of us looking at ourselves, looking at our heart and saying, okay, what do I need to change? Where is the wise? Let me back up the screen. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. I'll say that again. That's an important one. But we preach Christ crucified. At the end of the day, that's the main message. We preach Christ crucified. And under the Jews, a stumbling block. And under the Greeks, foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. I better read that one again. For you see not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. The Bible says a few are called, a few are chosen. Many are called, a few are chosen. What does that mean? Um, the like, way I like to explain that is, I had a choice to serve the Lord or not. Michael Boldea apparently did not have that choice. He didn't want to serve God. He wanted to be a good businessman, so he says. And God wouldn't let him. He made him to do this. Let me tell you a story. So I think I told it several weeks ago. Maybe I tell it too much. But I remember waking up one morning frustrated. Probably it was like 97, somewhere in there. Prophecy Club had been going for five, six years. And I was frustrated. And, and I said under my breath, but the Lord heard it. He said, I said, that's it. I said, I think I'm done with this Prophecy Club. I'm just not making enough money. I'm not able to pay my bills. People aren't listening. We're not growing enough. I think I'm just done with this prophecy club. 
I was making a whole lot more money before I came into it. I was doing a lot better. I think I'm done with it. So on the way to work, I was thinking, okay, well, I, I could do this. I could do that and shuffle around here. And, and so I was thinking, well, you know, maybe what, what would I want to do? I was thinking, well, maybe you want to go back to the stuff I did before. So I get to the office at 8 o'clock, about 9 o'clock, an old friend came in, a guy that I had hired and trained in the former business. He had just driven in from Tulsa, Oklahoma, to see me in Topeka, Kansas. That's quite a drive to arrive there by 9 o'clock in the morning. He said, I'm here to offer you a wonderful job. I'm here to offer you a door back into what you used to do, which was selling How do I say this? Public speaking courses, sales courses, management courses, uh, confidence building courses, things like that. Did that for 13 years. And uh, he says they've, they've got this new thing now where you can share and, and be partners with someone in a franchise over a certain area. And he says, I've got all of Oklahoma and I think that I'm going to be able to get all of Kansas and wanted to know if you'd be willing to share it with me. And he says, if you want to start back in, I'll guarantee you at least $10,000 a month. I thought about it. I thought about it about that long. <laughs> and I, I literally, with him in the room, I looked up into the sky. I looked up to God and I said, God, thank you very much. But no. And I looked at him. I said, no. I consider this the highest compliment that you would drive all this way to make this great big offer for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's a great honor. You've done this, but no, I'll stay where I am. Even if I starve to death, I was not chosen. I was called. In other words, the phone was ringing. I didn't have to pick it up. And then even then, what God was doing is saying, okay, Stan, you want out of the ministry? You want to go back to what you used to do? Here it is. I'll open the door. 10000 a month guaranteed to start, and you know you'll make more than that when you get into it. I was just remarking to my wife 10 days ago. And I said, you know, honey, God has blessed us far more, far, far more, for staying in the ministry than had I gone back into that business. Because had I gone back into that business, I'm 70 now, and there is a maximum forced retirement at 65. You must retire from that at 65. Well, I pretty much know what my retirement would be, and it would be peanuts. And, you know, we don't make a whole lot of money, but I think I make, better than I would have because I would have been just living on retirement today. So when it says give some calling to God or without repentance, what he gives, he doesn't take back. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. It's, it's the foolish things of life a lot of times that God uses. Let's go on. But God, well, here it is, it's about sad for God. But, but, but to see, that's Bible study. When you've been reading it for years, it's in here. And the right things come out when you're facing a decision in life. You know, what do I do there? Do I go to the left? Do I go to the right? 
then the Holy Spirit can bring that scripture back to you. But if you've never read it, or if you read it a long time ago, or if you read past it too too quick and you didn't get it, then he can't bring it back to your heart. Or at least with me, he doesn't. Okay, I've got to keep it fluent. But God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak. Okay? <laughs> the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. Meaning, it's the way God says it. It's the way God wants it. That's the way it works, period. That no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. He that glorieth. So, <laughs> okay, I guess I may as well tell you that too. Um, I, 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 I never had any intention to come into the ministry. I mean, frankly, I thought God was a bad paycheck, and I want to make more money than what I see these ministers. All the ministers I see were all starving to death. I said, I don't want that. Well, Dimitri Dudeman invited me. I'm going to say... This was probably 88 or 89. A prophecy club didn't start until 93. So I was not in the ministry, and I had no intention of coming to the ministry when this happened. Uh, so anyway, I, he invited me to go out to his home in Fullerton, California, to, to be there for one of their 501c3 annual government um, meetings that the 501c3 is required to hold. And we sang some songs and then we had our meeting and of course a whole lot of it didn't mean anything to me but i sat there and you know listened and in the night i had a dream i got rebuked now the bible says those i love i rebuke and chasten so if you're not being chastened you should be concerned the ones that are getting the closer you get to god the more chastening you get i'll tell you so anyway, this, this was the dream. I dreamed that we were standing in a circle like we did the day before, and we were singing songs. And in the middle of the song, we stopped, and Dimitri picked up one of these yellow pads, and he has written out something on the yellow pad. And he turns to me, and he says, I have a prophecy for you. I have a word of the Lord for you, Stan. And of course, stupid Stan is thinking, oh, yeah, great, wonderful. Well, this is before I, I learned the way God really works. He says, God says, in the kingdom of God, you think you're big, but you are small. Humble yourself and seek my face. Man, I woke up out of that dream. I crawled out of bed and I got on my knees and I started repenting. I'll tell you another one. October the 31st, 1989, my back had been hurting a whole lot. And I'd been praying a lot. God would heal my back. And of course, in those days, I was anywhere from two to three, sometimes four hours a day on my car or in, in my car driving. That's part of what I had to do, a lot of driving. And I thought I was just driving. 
Well, anyway, I've been, uh, so finally I asked Dimitri, I said, next time the angel comes to visit you, would you ask him why he hasn't healed my back? Because I'd really like to know. I mean, I pray a lot for him to heal my back, and I got my back healed. So he called the next morning. Actually, this Michael Boldea called, his grandson, an interpreter. And uh, so he says, the angel visited Dimitri last night. He had some words for Dimitri and for me and the family, and he had one for you. Now, by now, I'm, <laughs> I'm starting to get smart. I've started to discover, oh, just because he has a word doesn't necessarily mean it's good. So when he said this, I went, okay, what? He said, this is what the angel said. You tell Stan that I love Stan. And I, mean, I don't have to look. I know it. It's in here, okay? You tell Stan that I love Stan and love his family. But what he does, he does not put God in front of him. You tell him he must put God in front of him if he wants to be blessed. Concerning his back. You tell Stan that if he will humble himself, he will heal his back. And also tell Stan that if he will do what is on his heart to do, God will bless him more than he ever thought possible. Now, the point there is, as he was saying, I need to put God in front of me, meaning I was thinking that all of this success I was getting was me. Uh, wrong. <laughs> I didn't give God the glory and the present or the, the, the appreciation, the thank yous that I should. I didn't understand. But part of that was I just, you know, he hadn't had much to do in my life. You know, I mean, yeah, I accepted him as a child. But I mean, as far as a relationship, walking and talking with each other like we do now, no, it's not even close. And as far as if he will do what God has put on his heart to do, I will bless him more than he ever thought possible. I cannot tell you how many times. In my prayer closet, I've already told the Lord, look, you've already done that. I mean, first of all, just give me another chance. Give, give me another chance to watch me clean was plenty, more than I ever thought. That wasn't enough. Then you called me in the ministry to Prophecy Club, and that wasn't enough. Then you called me to start a church, Spirit of Prophecy Church, and that wasn't enough. Then you you uh, uh, had me uh, start prophetic oil. And then if that wasn't enough, you had me start Joseph's Kitchen. So, and of course, now... You know, we're very, very close to going over to Israel and to uh, find the oil, the massive amounts of oil that the prophecy that prophecies say that is in the oil or in, in Israel. So he's blessed me powerfully. All right, now let's go back to this. Let that no flesh should glory in his presence. I understand. I mean, just just tonight. I start getting emotional if I talk about that. I'll, I'll try to say it. Just tonight, as I was going to go meet my, you know, we just finished three days of fasting tonight. And so we were going to go out to eat in, in celebration of three days of fasting. So I was going to meet my wife. So I was backing out of the garage. As I was backing out, I started thanking the Lord. And I started saying, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ten million times. Thank you. I cannot thank you enough. And I started, thank you, thank you, but I'm, because I know. As a matter of fact, part of what I said, I said, you know, I want to be there, and I want to be one of the first ones, cast my crowns at your feet, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. I don't just put God in front of me. 
He is my beginning and the reason I have no end. He has the keys of hell and death. He decides who dies, when they die, how they die, and where they spend eternity. He kills, he makes alive, he wounds, he heals, and neither can any deliver out of his hand. All the world is in his hand. So when it says, let no flesh glory in his presence, oh boy, I know. I'm going to be there, cast my crowns at his feet. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto his wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that, according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And I heard someone say, well, I respect him. I respect the Lord. Ah, <laughs> it's not that. It's a whole lot more than that. I'm downright afraid of him. If you had been through some of the corrections I'd been through, you'd be afraid of him too. Now, in case you're saying, well, wait a minute. I mean, I've, I've never been through those kind of corrections. I'm going to say, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for you because... If you're going to do big things for the Lord, if you're going to get close to the Lord, then you're going to find those he loves, he chastens and rebukes. And you'll discover his corrections can be quite painful, literally. And when you're around someone like a Dimitri or someone that is really close to God, <laughs> they'll go, yeah, I know what he's talking about. I know. All right, chapter two, let's go on. Let's see if I can do this right here. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ to him crucified. I'm going to read that again. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ or just Jesus Christ and him crucified. At the end of the day, that's the most important message. Now, I will also say, I believe the number two message behind that right now is don't take the mark. Don't take that mark of the beast. Don't do it. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of the power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I've told you many times, August the 8th, 2015, Saturday night, Lord, I don't have anything to say for the sermon tomorrow morning. What do you want to say? And I heard words I said, this is the time of miracles as the judgment hits. So will my miracles, miracles like no one has seen going all the way back to Adam and Eve. You tell them I will never leave them nor forsake them. I'm going to meet the devil, entering step for step, step for step, pound for pound, everything he does, I'm going to meet him. He'll never leave us, nor forsake us. And I personally suspect that that thing that's going to start the judgment is either the New Madrid fault, earthquake, or suitcase nukes. It could be the fall of the dollar, but probably not. I think it'll be something drastic like that in the physical. And then we will see great miracles, miracles like no one has seen, bigger than what Paul did. You and I are going to get to see that, I believe, in our lifetime. Verse 5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 
Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes, princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world under our glory. You know, you invite someone to go to church, you invite someone to, to come on and listen to the Bible study, and sometimes their eyes glaze over, they start yawning, they can't keep their eyes open, they, they just... And then the other person sits there and they can't get enough. I remember Leslie tells a story when she got baptized in the Holy Spirit. She went and bought herself a Bible and some markers. And she you should see her Bible. You think mine's got yellow marking in Hers got, oh, she says, oh, this is good. This is good. This is, she just marked her Bible up left and right. Because to us that are called, we can't get enough of the Bible. It's not boring to us. This one. Which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, I want to jump to a couple of things. Uh, I think I've got this prepared right here and right there. I want to show you. Oh, man, it ain't working. Okay, well, I wrote the verses down. Okay, here we go. I thought I had them plugged in there so that... Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I was doing it wrong. I think I can still do it. Okay, here we go, here we go, here we go. I want to do this, and then I want to do this. Okay, so here's what it's talking about. Hear ye another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard, and hedged it about, and digged a wine press in it, and built a tower, and let it out to husbandmen, and went into a far country. Now, what's it talking about? It's talking about God, the householder, planted a vineyard, hedged it about, and did a wine press. Now, the wine press was he allowed sin into it because of Adam and Eve's sin. So anytime you see wine press or wine, or some derivative thereof, it's talking about sin. Wine press in it and built a tower, led it out to husbandmen. Who are the husbandmen? That would be people whose names are in the book of Lot. Went to, and specifically to the Jews. Went to a far country. When the time drew for the fruit, when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants unto the husbandmen, that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his serpent, servants, beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent more servants, more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them this, his son, saying, They will reverence my son, talking about Jesus. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, Ah, this is the heir, come. Let us kill him and let us see it on his inheritance. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. That's what it's talking about. Wait a minute, right. All right, I've got to get this down. I've got to click in the right place. Here, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they knew that by killing Jesus, it was going to set the captives free. It was going to set people free through the blood of Jesus. They wouldn't have done it. They'd understand that. They would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. It's going to be so good in eternity, we can't even possibly imagine how good it is. But God hath revealed to them under, uh, re revealed them unto his, try again, but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit, 
For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we may know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also which speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Hang on, i got to turn the fan on. Probably too much hot air in the room. <laughs> okay, let's see. We got to go to here. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. So true. I mean, someone whose name is not in the book of life you're trying to talk to, like talking to a telephone pole. They receive not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But, he that is spiritual judgeth all things, he, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And I, brethren, cannot speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For, here, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, bear it neither yet, now are you able? Now, let me say something about that. I cannot tell you how many times Leslie has come to me and said, now, when you go to Honduras, we're leaving for Honduras Thursday, I think it is. When you go to Honduras and you speak, you have to speak real slow and real simple because these are really, really simple people. And you're going to be talking on Revelation 13 and the Mark of the Beast. And they probably never read that. They probably never heard about it. The pastors have never taught them. Many of them don't have Bibles. And so you're going to have to talk. So, yeah, I understand. So he's he's bringing the milk because they aren't ready for the meat. Most American Christians, most of them, are ready for the meat. At least people that follow us are ready for the meat. But even in America, still a lot of Christians, they don't know their Bible so well. I cannot speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you milk and not with meat, because you were not able to bear it. Verse 3. For you are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions. Are you not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am a Paul, and another, I am a Paulus, are you not carnal? Oops, I think I bumped the wrong button. I did bump the wrong button. Oh boy, where was I? Okay. If I don't see it, I'll just go to the... Okay, I'll go to the top of the next chapter. And I, brethren, cannot speak unto you as the spiritual, but as carnal, even to babes in Christ. Okay, all right, there you go. I found my place. Verse 4, right here. Who, who then is Paul? Who is Apollos, but ministers by whom you believe, even as the Lord gave to every man? What he's saying is, so some people are saying, I'm Church of Christ. I'm Catholic. He's saying, who's Church of Christ? Who's Catholic? In other words, those are all names. I remember we had one speaker that had died, 
and gone to heaven. And he said, I was in heaven walking with Jesus. And <laughs> Jesus said something, and it didn't exactly agree with him. So he turned to him, and he says, now, you know I'm Church of Christ. And Jesus turned to him and said, what's Church of Christ? And I thought that was a really good answer. Because in heaven, there's not going to be Catholics, Baptists, Church of Christ, Episcopalians, Pentecost, Spirit-filled. Either you're in Jesus or you're not in Jesus. There's one church, but we do all of this foolishness of names. So I don't think God's pleased with that, but we don't have another way to do it. At least we haven't figured that one out. Verse 6. Now, this is actually important. I've got a story for this one. So he says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, but every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For ye are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed, this is important, let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon, for other foundation can no man lay than is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, let every man's work shall be made manifest for the day. What day? The day when Jesus returns, the day of the Lord, which is the last feast of trumpets. Every man's work shall what what shall it oh, back up. every man's work shall be made manifest for that day. Shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. What fire? That would be the morning star. When Jesus, when the heaven rolls back like a scroll, and Jesus goes and he blows the glory with the breath of his nostrils. He brandishes his sword. He goes to the center of the earth, sets the foundations of the mountains on fire, the hills melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. And that's when, in a moment of time, all the tears fall to the ground, a pile of ashes and bones, like a standard bear falling. And that's when out of our belly flows rivers of living water. And in that moment, we get our glorified body, all of our mantles, our crowns, awards, all in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. That's what he's saying. He's trying every man's work what sort it is. I'll explain just a second. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a ward. Okay, so if we've done service to the Lord, if we've done it for the right reason, we've done what he's called us to do, then he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. But if we haven't, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now, what's all that saying? It's saying that we in Christ are not judged by books. We're judged by works. Try it again. We're not judged, we're not judged by books. We are judged, either we are in Christ have done what Christ has asked us to do or not. Let me say it again, make sure I got that right. We are not judged by books. People who go to the book, to the uh, the Feast of Atonement, they're judged by books. 
Uh, I don't know, maybe I should. So I have a quick way to show you that. Uh, give me a second here. I think I can. I think I can. Yes, just a second. Okay, what do we want to do? We want to do this. Stop sharing. And then we want to jump to here. Share screen. Window. Different window. We want this window. Share. Okay. So you're looking at what I use to make the program. <clears throat> the next time Jesus returns, he returns on first fruits. And when he does, he res resurrects 144,000 one-year-old Jewish boys. It talks about it here. This is in my book, Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. And the first vision that God gave me said that I needed to write a book. Or excuse me, the second one said I needed to write a book because some things cannot be learned by audio or visual. Some things must be written down. And I'll tell you right now, this, <laughs> I've tried to explain it to people, audio and visual, and it, their eyes crossed. So if you want to understand this, you're going to have to get the book, Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy at prophecyclub.com, prophecyclub.com. Anyway, so he returns resurrects 144,000 one-year-old Jewish boys. Then him and the other boys walk around on Mount uh, Zion for, for, well, 50 days. Then 50 days later, we are resurrected. Now, this is the barley harvest. That's the first harvest. We are the wheat, okay? Jesus calls us the wheat. Then the barley harvest and the wheat harvest then go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, we only get a wedding garment. Jesus, however, is crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. He has given many crowns, a vesture dipped in his own blood, and then him and us get a white horse. This is about four months later to return with Jesus for the grape harvest or Armageddon. That's when we return return with him on white horses. It's Jesus. He has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And they that are with him are him is in heaven. And I'll skip all that. Anyway, so we return here. This is the judgment by fire. Now, 10 days later is the great white throne. People that never had the opportunity to hear about Jesus can they would report to the great white throne. They are the dead not in Christ. Jesus is still the judge. They are judged by works, or they are judged by the things written in the books. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged that are those things written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which are in them, and death and hell delivered up the dead which are in them, and they were judged. Every man according to the works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire. This is not our judgment day. This is judgment by works. Ours is judgment by fire. Either we get in through the blood of Jesus or we don't. And then he gives every man according as his work shall be. That's what he says in the New Testament. So ours is a judgment by fire. Let me go back here. And I'll leave that open. I think I might need it. Who knows? Okay. I wish there was a faster way to do this, but sorry, there's not. Okay, so we're back. So now let me read this again explain. So every man's work should be made manifest. 
In other words, when we come out of time, when the heaven rolls back like a scroll, when we get into eternity because Jesus touched us with his morning star, and we all of a sudden, in an instant, we get our glorified body. When we go into eternity, the way I understand it, it would be like holding a fishing pole, and we're able to look back on that fishing pole at any point. In other words, that fishing pole, pole being the timeline, we could look back on anything in there and see anything and everything that happened except those things that are covered with a wedding garment. Now, how all that works, the Bible doesn't exactly tell us. But what it does say that every man's work, get this into place, every man's work shall be made manifest. Another place it says everything hidden should be shattered from the rooftops. Everything uh, secret will be open and made manifest. So we're going to get, be able to see, you know, who's in the Grant's grave. We're going to find those 33,000 emails that Hillary Clinton lost. Okay. Anything we want to see, all of able to see. And what well, that's the reason. After we're outside of time, after we're in eternity and we can look back on time, we look back and we see what Jesus has done. We're all going to be overwhelmed. He's just given us a glorified body. He's just given us mantles, crowns, reward. And at that time, we're going to take our crowns off, fall on our feet, fall on our face, cast the crown at his feet, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. We're going to look back and we're going to say, I didn't do anything. I do not deserve this. I did not earn this. I, this is, I, 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 I cannot wear this. That's the reason we cast our crowns at his feet. Because when we see what he has done, we'll say, just like he said, except you abide in the vine, you can do nothing. But I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. So because we abide in his vine, then we can get gold and silver and precious stones. But if we don't, then all of our works turn into wood, hay, and stubble. And they are, are all burned up. Let me show you. i got some scriptures on that, too. Ah, keep clicking, clicking the wrong place here. Okay, here we go. Okay, let's go to wood, hay, and stone. The right hand of the Lord is become glorious. Who's the right hand? Who's at the right hand of God? That would be Jesus. So when he says the right hand, it's the Old Testament way, we're in Exodus, of saying Jesus. The right hand of God has become glorious. In other words, at this point, he's glorified. He's been to the marriage supper of the Lamb. At this point, he's now being crowned King of kings and Lord of lords, even though it's talking about it back in Exodus. Has become glorious in power, thy right hand. A Lord hath dashed in pieces the enemy. So that dash in pieces means they fall to the ground a pile of ashes and bones. That's what it's saying. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sendest forth thy wrath. What is the wrath? The morning star. Which consumed them as stubble. Again, they fall to the ground in piles of ashes and bones like a standard bearer that faints, like someone just faints. And with a blast of thy nostrils, that's the morning star, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upon as a heap. The depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. Now, this is talking about specifically when, um, my, uh, when Moses and the children of Israel crossed the, the Red Sea. But it's also, this part is talking about the last days. Now, let's jump back. And then we said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide them as spoil. My lust shall be satisfied. Me. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. Thou didst blow with thy wind, the sea covered them, and they sank. Okay, so that's talking about the uh, the crossing side of the Red Sea. 
Now let's jump to the next one. Oh, I got to do this thing right. I got to push it. Okay. Now let's jump to the New Testament, Matthew 21, 40, 42. Jesus said to them, did you ever read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected? The same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say unto you, the kingdom of God should be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth fruits. And whatsoever shall fall, fall upon the stone shall be broken. Whosoever shall fall, it will grind him to powder or to ashes. Now let's jump to another one I got saved here, I think. I keep doing it wrong. I keep hitting the wrong button. No, I didn't save it right. So never mind. Okay, we'll go back to what we were doing here. Because I'm not going to look it up again. Okay, so if any man's work should be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. Meaning, if they make it up to the marriage supper of the Lamb, or if they make it through the burning of the Feast of Trumpets, they themselves still get to go into eternity, but they don't go into it with any rewards. All of their rewards are wood, hay, and stubble. That's what he's saying. So if you build upon the right foundation, Jesus, then you get gold, silver, precious stones. But if you don't, you get wood, hay, and stubble, and it's all burned up as by fire. Now let's go on. For you know not that you are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Let no man deceive you. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. In other words, a fool for Christ. We don't take credit ourselves. Jesus did it all. That's why we're going to cast our crowns at his feet. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise that they are vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Paulus or Cephas or the world, or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. And your Christ and Christ is God's. Now let's jump to chapter 4. Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self, for I know nothing by myself. Yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have a praise of God. And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that you might learn in us not to speak, not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that didst not receive? Now if it dost receive it, why dost thou glory? And if thou hast not received it, now ye are full. Now you are rich. Ye have reigned as kings without us, and our God did reign, that we also reign with you. For I think that God has set forth us, the apostles, last, 
as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world, unto the angels, and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake. I'll read that part again, because that's the point. We are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. Even under this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place. And labor according with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, and we suffer. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of this world and are of the off-scouring of all things under the day. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. For though ye have ten thousand instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore, I beseech you, followers of mine, for this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring into your remembrance of my ways which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Now some are puffed up, as though I would not come to you. But I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will, and will know, not the speech of them that are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What will you? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love or in the spirit of meekness? Let's see what time it is. Okay, we've got time. <clears throat> now let's go to chapter 5. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. What the angels say to Dimitri in the church, there's abortion, adultery, fornication, sodomy, divorces, and all kinds of sin. Jesus doesn't live in sin. I brought you here so you cry, could cry out loud. Well, that's what Paul's trying to do. But America, man, we've fallen into all kinds of sin. We don't even know who's a male and a female anymore. It is reported commonly that there's fornication among you. Now, there's two kinds of fornication. One is having sex outside marriage. Another one is going after another God. Both of them are bad. And for and, and such fornication, as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. So what he's saying is that the church, the church that he started, is now sinning worse than the world. I heard it probably 20 years ago that our divorce rate was 54, 54% outside of the church. And inside the church, it's 54%. <laughs> in other words, our divorce rate is the same as outside the church. So just because we're in church, just because we've asked Jesus to be a Lord and Savior, we haven't changed a lot a bit. We aren't following Jesus. Now, do you think that it's worse now some 20 years later? I do. It may be that the church has a higher divorce rate, more fornication. It says here, having his father's wife. That's filth. And it's going on in America. And you're puffed up. And I'm not rather mourned that he doth, that he, that he that doth, try it again, that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. Yeah, wait a minute. See, most of the places in America have done away with capital punishment. But when it says might be taken away from you, that's what it's talking about. It's a nice sort of way to say it. I mean, what did they do with Stephen? 
one of the most godly men in the Bible. They stoned him. What did they do in the days of Moses? They stoned them. Oh, but today, no, no, we, we, we don't have any capital punishment. No, but we have people going into stores openly and stealing. We have people openly coming in and hijacking cars and stealing people. We have, uh, I don't know, maybe I should show this. Uh, let me let me jump for a second here. Take me a second. I'll pull you up. I'll show you something that'll blow your mind. Take me a second here. Hang on. Right, 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 right there. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> jump to the right button here. Right here. Present. Share screen entire screen in this one. Well, I know I want the window. I want... Wait a minute. Maybe I got to click that. Hmm. It's, it's not letting me do that. Hmm. Hmm. It probably can do it. I just don't know how to go about doing it. Um, see if I open this one. Share, share. I need to have a shortcut to go to a window. Now let me do that. Okay. Well, I'll explain to you what I'm looking at. It's a look. It's a map of the United States, and it shows sealed and unsealed indictments all across the nation. And if it's a red state, that means there are fewer pedophiles in that state, less child trafficking, less human trafficking. And then the more blue the state is, the more child trafficking, the more human trafficking, the more sin, the more sealed adoptments there are. And the number one state is Texas. Number two is California, Arizona, New Mexico, all of those southern, southern states bordering Mexico, and also Florida. And surprisingly, some of the cleanest states are the northern states, uh, you know, up next to Canada. But that's part of what I, I can't get it to show you that. Maybe maybe next, next time I can figure out how to do that. Okay. So let's go here. My voice is giving out. How much time do I have here? I'll read again. It's reported commonly that there's fornication among you. And such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned, that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from you. For I verily as absent in the body, but present in the spirit. In other words, he's not there, but he knows by the spirit this is going on. By the spirit have judged already, as though I were present, concerning him that hath so done this deed. In other words, God showed him in a vision what they're doing. And I remember we, Leslie, we, we had, I'll tell you the story. I think it's the first time I've told this story publicly, but I, uh, I, ha I had a girl working for me. Uh, it's kind of a long story. Um, she had been in an accident. And so we opened up our home. And this was just in the early days of Prophecy Club. Open up her home for us for this girl to come into our home. She was like 21 or two, somewhere in there. And so she actually lived in her home till she was getting better, which was like 
two, three, four months. And then she started helping at Prophecy Club. And uh, one day she walked into my office and she started saying some bad things about Leslie. And I didn't know if they were true or not. I mean, so I heard what she said. And she turned and walked out of my office. The phone rang. And Leslie said, let me tell you, and I'll, 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 I'll go ahead and tell you your name because I mean, it's been 20 years and no one knows who you're talking about anyway. He says, so the phone rang, pick it up. She says, I just saw Sherry walk into your office and she said this and such and this and such and this and such. Didn't she? It was word for word. I said, yes. She said, it's not true. She wants my life. She wants my husband. She wants my home. She wants the ministry. She is a Jezebel. Fire her now and get her out. I know Leslie has credibility. So I said, done. Hung up the phone. Sherry came in my office. I said, here's what just happened. Leslie just called me. And she's not here in the office. She's at home. And she just told me word for word what you just said two minutes ago. You're done. Pick up your things. They're writing your final check right now. You're done. And she walked out. We never saw her again. There is a time, of course, Leslie, when she tells the story, she says, so just stand, let that be a lesson to you. Don't you? <laughs> but anyway. To let you know, those kind of things, yeah, they really happen. And what Paul had done is God had shown him in the Spirit some of the filthy things that were going on in some of the churches that he had started. So he's writing back on back to them, correcting them, telling them to straighten up and fly right. For I verily, verse 3, as absent in the body but presence in the Spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that had done so, has so done this deed. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together in my spirit, with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such a one unto Satan. Are you catching that? He says, gather together, and when they are sinning like that, having their father's wife, gather them together and turn them over to Satan. I didn't write the stuff. I'm just reading it. It's in your Bible too to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the Spirit may be saved in the day of Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaveneth, leaveneth the whole lump? In other words, if you don't stop this, it's going to go through the whole church, and it's going to corrupt the church. What have we allowed in the American churches? The same thing. Worse. Because we didn't stop it, it went on through the church. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. You know what? I think we better read this whole page again, because this is talking about us. Because Revelation 18 says that America has become the habitation of devils, the hold of every foul spirit, and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. And that's talking about America, and this is too. So let's read 5.1 again. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication as is not so much as named among Gentiles. In other words, even people that weren't Christians weren't this bad. 
that one should have his father's wife, and you are puffed up, and have not rather mourned, in other words, you've not condemned it, that, that, that he that had done this deed might be taken away from among you. Okay, at least kick him out. At least kick him out of the church. For I verily, as absent in the body, but present in spirit, have judged already, as though I were present, concerning him that hath done this deed. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together and my spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glory is not good. In other words, they're saying this is good. It's not good. Know you not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be able to be a new lump, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Now, in that Leslie and I now eat a lot of our homemade whole wheat bread, which I'm going to be making some bread tomorrow morning. Uh, I understand that. So if you leave out dough just out in the open, then the atmosphere begins to put things into that dough that start growing. And this is what happened in Egypt back in the days, and they would they would knead that dough and get that leaven all the way through it. And that causes the bread to rise. If they didn't get it to rise, then you're talking about like a brick. It's hard. It's hard like a cracker. I mean, it's hard to cut. It's hard to eat. So by letting it leaven, by letting the yeast or the, the atmosphere has yeast in it. Sometimes it's not good yeast, which is why we put in good yeast, mix it all up anyway. Then it rises like this, okay? It makes it soft. What it's saying is, if you put just a little leaven in there, you don't have to put a whole lot, just a little leaven. For example, when I make bread, uh, there's four cups of whole wheat bread, whole wheat flour. But we only put one tablespoon of yeast. One tablespoon, and it gets the whole thing to rise. What it's saying is, if you don't stop this in your church, it will grow in your church, grow to another church, and of course, and then you wind up like America. <laughs> That's what it's basically saying. All right, let's go on. Uh, I think I did that wrong. Here, here we go. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. Okay, In other words, somebody's doing something like that in the church, at the very least, they're kicked out. And when they're kicked out, it's saying, don't have dinner with them. Don't let, you know, just walk away from them. If they aren't walking with Jesus, they're not. To, again, I didn't write it. There it is. It's in your book, too. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. So when the, what is it, the Amish shun people? Well, what's it say? And that is exactly what it's talking about, isn't it? And we don't do that much today. I've never seen it done in any of my churches that I've been in. But nevertheless, that, that's what it says. I wrote in you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. You're not altogether with fornicators of this world, or the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. But now I've written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother, or be a fornicator, or covetous, or idolater, or a railer, that's a fighter, or a railer, or a drunkard, or any extortioner, 
with such an one, don't even eat. Don't even eat with them. Don't company with them. Don't have anything to do with them. Walk away from them. But them that are without God judgeth. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Again, I didn't write it. I'm just the delivery boy here, okay? <laughs> Dare any of you having a matter against another. Go to law before the unjust and not before the saints. So it's supposed to be that if someone in the church has a disagreement with someone in the church, they take it to the church. They do not sue them out in man's law. They do not take it to man. They take it before the church. I'll read it again. Dare any of you having a matter against another, go to the law before the unjust and not before the saints. He's saying, don't take it to the unjust. Let the matter be brought before the saints. Do we do that? No, we don't do that. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you not unworthy to judge the smallest matters? In other words, look, you're going to give a better judgment than taking it before some secular judge. Know you not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. I speak to your shame. It is so that there is not a wise man among you. No, not one that shall be able to judge between this brethren. Are you, are you telling me that nobody can judge? You tell me that you guys in the church can't judge this? You got to send them to a secular judge? That's what he's saying. But brother goeth to law by brother and that before the unbelievers. Now, therefore, there is utterly a fault among you, because you go to the law one with another. Why do you not rather take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Nay, you do wrong and defraud, and that your brethren, know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, that's the people that don't know what's between their legs, okay, or they're, they're, they're men with men or women with women, okay? Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, the effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, sex with animals and things like that, nor thieves, nor covenants, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed but you're sanctified, but you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy it both and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and for the Lord for the body. And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that while know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. 
And every sin that a man doeth is without body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. So he's talking about fornication there as having sex outside marriage. For he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Let's see what time it is. Yeah, my voice is just about gone. So I'm going to leave it there. We'll continue. We read six chapters, six chapters tonight and discussed them. And so, I mean, I hope that was good. I thought it was a good Bible study. Hope you did too. Stop sharing here. Um, okay, let me jump over here. Okay, you got a question. Good question. Do I think the one-year Jewish boys have been born? Yes, they had to be born. Let me show you where it says that. Okay, so now we're going to jump to how oh, memory. Let's see. Um, to 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 Leviticus fourteen ten, I believe. Now let me show you. Window. There we go. On the eighth day, let me see where we are here. Not fourteen twenty-eight. I don't think that's right either. I think I'm losing my brain. Twenty-three. 2310. Ah, here we go. Had to get my brain working. Okay. So the Lord spoke to Moses, spoke to Moses, spoke, spake to Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say to them, When you come into the land, which I give you, that you shall reap a har- reap a harvest. And oh, yeah, I'm gonna show you. Okay, reap a harvest. Thereof, and you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest. Now, what is the first grain that gets ripe each year in Israel? The answer? Barley. So barley is representative here of the Jews. They were the first ones to get the gospel. They were the first ones to, I mean, Abraham, okay? Shall reap the harvest thereof, and you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits. Now, what's a sheaf? That's a handful. Okay, you reach down, grab a big old handful, you bring that sheaf. Shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you on the morrow after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. You shall offer that same day when you wave the sheaf, a he lamb without blemish of the first year. Now, let me show you where that is here. I kept this open, so this will be easy for me to flip over. Stop sharing. Go to this. And this, and there, and window, and this. Okay, so what it's talking about here is the first fruits. So it says, wave a sheaf of the first fruits. It has to be a he lamb of the first year. That's what it's talking about here. 144,000 one-year-old Jewish boys. And now let me explain to you why that is. Now I've got to go back to scriptures here. Let's see. Screen. 
I wish it was faster, but sorry. And just maybe next year, maybe the next year they can do it faster. Okay, so the reason we know these are one-year-old Jewish boys is right here because it, it's a boy, lamb, without blemish of the first year. So are, if your question is, are those Jewish boys, the 144,000 live on the earth today? I don't know that they are. I will say that Vicky Goforth Parnell says that they are here. Now, I hadn't seen them yet. Maybe they're, I don't know. We haven't seen them. But it's 144,000. How do we know that? Because this is the first fruits, and this is what is required of the first fruits um, sacrifice. So they have to be he lamb, 144,000 without blemish of the first year. And the rest of it gets complicated. Let's see if there's another question. What is an example of building upon the foundation of Jesus with gold, silver, hay, and straw? Okay. 1 Corinthians 3.12. Thank you. Well, I hope you're still seeing me. I think I clicked the wrong button here. Okay, do it right. 1 Corinthians 3.12. Now, if any man build on this foundation, silver, precious stones, and gold. Okay, so what he's saying is, oh, I've got to get it up so you can see it. Hang on, hang on. There we go. So if any man build on the foundation, gold, silver, precious stones. All right, this is things like winning souls, starting a church, um, serving people. These sort of things. This is serving the Lord. Then wood, hay, and stubble are those works. Yeah, maybe we started a church, but we did it just so we could have our own name on the building. Or we taught a Sunday school class, but just so we could be the big cheese, you know. So those are works, but those are burned up wood, hay, and stubble. Uh, see if that answered the question. What is an example of building upon the foundation of Jesus with gold, silver, and prayer? Okay, now let me give you another example. We... Uh, I believe it was 1997. We were having a crusade in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We had about 700 people at the crusade, and we had two guest speakers, and one of them was very charismatic. And he came to me and he says, you know, you've got a lot of people that are, are following you, and you really need to start a church. Every one of these people need to be in a church. I said, well, that, that makes good sense. And so we had uh, three guest speakers. One of them was Gene Bacon, prophet. And uh, so I said, let's have a meeting about it. So we held a meeting, and he said this in front of Gene. He said, uh, you're saying that you want to make all of these 40 cities that we were having meetings in at the time, you want to turn them all into having a church in each one of those cities? He said, yeah. He said, now I assume that Stan would be in charge of that. He said, no, I would. He said, that's building on another man's foundation. He said, you can't come in and build on another man's foundation. If you want to start churches in all of those 40 cities, have at it if the Lord is directing you. But you can't come in and take Stan's ministry and go out and build 40 churches in those cities. I was glad he was there. I'm glad he had that understanding because I would have, I was willing to agree to it. And 
perhaps there wouldn't even be a prophecy club today had I agreed to that. So that's a good example of building on another man's foundation. As far as gold, silver stones, precious, and things like that, those are the things that we get for serving the Lord. Wood, hay, and stubble are when we've done some works that were not done for the Lord. I remember like um, Howard Pittman, we had him be a speaker. He died, has a tremendous story. I'm going to take this down here. There we go. Tremendous story. He said he died, and he said he went up to the pearly gates, and he was at the pearly gates, and um, he turned to the angel that had taken him to the pearly gates, and he says, well, I want to talk to God. I want to ask him for 15 more years like Hezekiah. And the angel said to him, talk. He's listening. He said, so I began to talk to God. I've been saying, God, you know, I've been a, a pastor these years and I've served you faithfully and everything. And so I'm asking you to give, give me 15 more years like Hezekiah. He said, the next thing I know, faster than you can possibly think. My face was on the floor. And he said, before I did this, he says, I looked up. He said, I saw the pearly gates. I said, you can't come in because if you go in, you can't come back out. He said, I looked up, I saw those pearly gates. And he said, when you're out of your body, you can hear forever, you can see forever, but I could not see the top of those pearly gates. He said, so next thing I know, my face on the floor. And God is talking to me. He said, nobody has to tell you when God talking. He said, God said, your religion is dead. Your works are dead. Your works will not follow you. Yes, you built churches. Yes, you brought people to Jesus. But what you did was for yourself and for your glory. Then he told him some things. He said, if you go back and I'll let you go back, I want you to tell him this and such and this and such. I don't remember what they were. Um, but he said, according to your faith, being in you. So he tells a story about how he woke up. He was in the the hospital they were working, trying to bring him back. And all, they were shocked to find out that they thought he was dead. And all of a sudden now he's back in his body again. But he woke up with a different point of view and he went back to serving the Lord. I'm sure he'll have a lot of rewards when he is in heaven. I don't know if he's there or not now. But uh, the, the, the point is, it is possible to even be a pastor and all of your works be burned up. It's possible that all of your works are wood, hay, and stubble, and they're not gold and silver and precious stones. So we just have to make certain that we're doing it for the right reason. And we got four minutes left, and my, my, I'm exhausted. My, my, my voice is gone. So let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for all of these wonderful people. I love them so much, and I know you love them so much, and I look forward to the time when we can see them all in eternity and jump and rejoice and worship you and serve you and have love one for another. We look forward to those days. Lord, I ask you to keep their name in the book of life, their family's name, their mom, dad, brothers and sisters, children and grandchildren. Get all of their names in your book, all of their names in the book of life, and see that they would all hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Lord, we ask you to bring us into the alignment with your word, anything that needs to be corrected, that you would speak to us and we would correct it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed the Bible study.
we had 84, about 100, about 100 people online. How many did we have last week? I don't know if it'll let me look at this or not. Let me see. I'll look at YouTube. We had 235. Wow, only 235 views of Bible study last week. That's a little shocking. We normally have. I can't see Facebook because I'm not on Facebook, so they won't let me see it because I'm not on there. So maybe somebody jump on Facebook and tell me how many we have. What? 27 views. Oh, wow, we didn't do so good on the Bible study last week. Maybe it wasn't such a good Bible study. Uh, of course, I didn't announce it during the week. So whatever. Anyway, God bless. And I'm going to. Uh, can you explain the verse that says they who say they are Jews and are not? Yes. Yes, I can explain that. Um but they say they're Jews, but they are the synagogue of Satan. They say they're Jews, they're not, but they do lie. Back in like 2,500 years ago, there was a group of Khazarian, uh, the Khazarian Mafia, the Kazakhs, and what is today Ukraine, the most evil people on the planet. And they got tired of them killing so many people around them that the nations around them gathered around them and said, you got to find a God. You can either be Muslim, you can be... Um, Islam or Jewish. I think that's correct. There was three choices. So I guess Christian was one of them. Anyway, they chose to be Jews. And so they went to the Jews and said, well, can we enter and marry? And the Jews says, absolutely not. So they just started changing their names to Jews. Yes, they did get a few that would inter intermarry with them, but most of them wouldn't. So they just start changing the name to Jewish names. They start telling everybody they were Jewish, but they're not. And most of those are the Molochs and the ball worshipers. These are the people of BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard, the evil people that rule the world, going back to the pyramids, the days of Pharaoh. And for the most part, these are the most evil people on the planet. You call them the 13 bloodlines of the Illuminati today. These are the people that Sam, uh, Samson killed. These are the people that Elijah and the preacher killed. The uh, prophets of, uh, of, of Baal and, and Ashtaroth. It's the same spirit. It's the same spirit that is in the Russians today and all of their uh, enemies that are going to be drawn down to attack Israel in the, in the Valley of Jezreel, the Valley of Jehoshaphat, when Jesus is going to draw them down, it is his idea for them to form a world government that they should see how it worded. Should give their power and strength unto the beast that until the words of God should be fulfilled. So God is going to draw them down into the valley of Jezreel where he's going to shed their blood with the morning star outside the city at the wine press, the same place. In other words, where they shed Jesus' blood some 2,000 years later, he's drawing them down to shed their blood at the same place they shed his. And I think that answered your question. Yeah, so they are Jews. They say they're Jews, but are not. They're not really Jews. They're really the most evil people on the planet. And they give Jews really, really a bad reputation. So if they're really wealthy, they call themselves Jews, and they're really, really evil, they're probably not Jews. Okay, it's 8.01. I'm going. I'll see you later. Oh, 
No Bible study for the next two weeks as I'm in Honduras, and I would appreciate your prayers for Leslie and I and our team there. God bless.